Amen, amen, amen. The biggest, the, we, we, the biggest issue that is needed in churches, the biggest uh, pink elephant for many churches is leadership. Um, the vacuum of it, the frustration of it, the emptiness of it, and the lack of execution of it. It is one of the things that I don't care how much doctrine or how much outreach, how much practical stuff you got going, if there is not leadership, there will not be God's means of bringing cohesiveness to what he's called to be done. It's just the way things have been set up. It's interesting for me enough as get opportunities to share the gospel with people, and I, I got a chance to recently share with a Muslim uh, recently. Um, he was on the fringes, and one of his apologetics that I hate to be an apologetic against Christianity, it, it wasn't necessarily that he believed the Bible had been changed. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't even his frustration um, over um, necessarily the doctrines of the church as the, or the Trinity and so forth and so on. That, that wasn't his issue, even though those were issues for him. It wasn't an issue that the gospel wasn't just merely the issue. We explained all that. But at the end of the day, one of the linchpins in his ability to respect the depth of the church is his lack of respect and qualified lack of respect of church leadership. Church leadership was, in his mind, no different than him. And it's become a point in the church where church leadership has made its way to not being as distinct as it should be. And so there needs to be a resurrection of sorts. We need the Lord. We need the Lord not to make us perfect. <laughs> that, 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 see, 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 he's going to already do that. Um, the, the thing that we need to begin to do is to see God help us to get rid of every last one of these pink elephants through repenting, through honesty with where leadership has been, and it being even public. You know, I, it was interesting as I was talking to him, one of the things that I told him is I apologized to him for, for our mistakes as leaders. I didn't just try to paint a picture of perfect leadership. I pointed him to Jesus as the perfect leader. But I didn't try to get us off the hook for not submitting to Jesus either. Because, see, sometimes we say, well, only Jesus is perfect. Well, that means that, well, just go ahead and do what you want to do um, because we might as well not hold any standards. And so over these last few weeks, we've tried to reinstate some of that. Because, see, not reinstate, not having standards and anything to look to is a punk move. It's a punk move. You know what I'm saying? Because biblically, God has written so much on pastoring, on shepherding, on leading, on eldering, on bishoping. And, and, and today we're going to dive into a beefy text. It's a monstrous text. It's, it's, it's gully too. Um, it, it's, it's Ezekiel chapter 36, 34 rather. Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. I want to I I show you out of this text what to do by seeing what not to do. <laughs> The old preacher told me one day, he, he said, Doc, he said, well, as, you, as you get older in this thing, Doc, and as you sit under many authorities, he said, you're going to learn two things, what to do and what not to do. And he said, I hope you can learn it. And I believe this text lays that out for us. In verse 1, 
Ezekiel, the exilic prophet of Judah, says, The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds. Wow. Of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds. This we get at Epiphany. Ah, this we get it from. <laughs> Only Epiphanites can understand what I just said. See, it's biblical to say, ah. <laughs> shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled, fam. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, declares Yahweh Elohim. Surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all wild beasts. Since there is no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Real simple title, The Practice of the Pastor. That's what I want to talk about today. The Practice of the Pastor. I know that pastors usually bring somebody in to tell you how you should treat them. It's a sneaky move guys do during revival. They bring somebody in and have them tell you how they should. You need to make sure. Now, every now and then, sheep need to understand some things about, um, about some of that. But there's an over, there's, in our culture, in church culture, especially inner city church culture, there's this passion to get the pastor to treat the sheep. I mean, the sheep to treat the pastor a certain way. That, that, they, they get more... They get, people get more messages on what sheep should do for the pastor than what the pastors, plural, should be doing for the sheep. And so today we want to, I got one point, and we're going to just dive into this. I got one point, again for my point, people. One point, the pastor must be a servant leader. That's it. That's, 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 the, that's, that's, that's the point today. Everything I'm going to say, just to go support that from the, from the scriptures. It's interesting that <coughs> um, Ezekiel deals a lot in this passage, and he's frustrated with the groups of shepherds that God has set up. There's three types of shepherds in Israel. There are three shepherds. There's the, there's the prophet, 
there's the priest, and there's the king. Those are three ways in which God facilitates shepherding of his people. Not just the prophets, the priests, and the kings, but the heads of households were supposed to be a community of shepherds um, when they weren't getting engaged by the prophet, the priest, or the king. The heads of households were supposed to, were supposed to, supposed to shepherd the people within their household. It's kind of like a, a family small group, so to speak. And so, and so that's what it was supposed to be. And so, and so Ezekiel is frustrated by way of the mouth of God because God is frustrated. And so God is sick of punk shepherds. He's gotten to the point where he's sick of some punks. If I was on the block, I'd say something else, but he calls them some punks throughout the passage. He calls them some suckers, some wigged out, oh, God, help me. And so I'm going to just get in here. He, he presents four distorted views of these cats. See, there are four distortions within shepherding that he, that he lays out beautifully here. I'm just blown away by the structure of this passage and the beauty of this passage. The first distorted model of shepherding is selfish. Selfish. Say selfish. Yeah. In verse 2 and 3, he says, in verse 2, he says, Son of man, prophesy against them. Then he goes down for he says, Our shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should shepherds not feed the sheep? <coughs> See, they saw the sheep as personal resources. They saw the sheep as personal resources. You know, what's interesting in this passage is everything that he's going to tell you is a distorted view of shepherding. It's really not, it's not wrong for the shepherd to allow the sheep to feed him. There's nothing wrong with that. But, 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 but there has been such, there's been such, because there should be a reciprocating relationship where there's mutual replenishment so that both can do what they're supposed to do. That's what it was supposed to be in this time. A shepherd was, 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 would get milk and make, use the milk from the sheep to make uh, curds and, and, and to make cheese and to, and to drink as milk. But this cat, basically, what he began to do is he, this shepherd fed the sheep just enough so that he can get what he wanted out of them. Now, now, now what's powerful about this is when you don't feed an animal, they can't produce milk. So basically, he treated the sheep expendably. And so as long as you can produce for me, I don't have enough energy for you to, for, to produce for you. I just give you just enough so that you can give me milk and then I fall back from you. I get all that I need from him. He said, he said, the sheep, he said, the shepherds are feeding themselves. And so again, these are not actually wrong issues. Then they clothe themselves. It says, it says, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? He says, you eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with wool. It's interesting. Now, it's nothing wrong, again, with a shepherd um, shaving sheep, shearing sheep to get wool for clothing. That was a reciprocating relationship because them giving to him was a protection of him to protect them while they're in the elements. But this cat was just cutting wool in the wintertime. He didn't even care. So what he would do is he, would cut, he wouldn't wait till like the summer months and the fall and, you know, work on his gear then. You know what I'm saying? He would cut it off in the dead of winter and leave the sheep exposed to the elements, shivering in the cold in need of covering. Selfish punk, right? Eating off the sheep, 
taking all their wool from them, getting nice gear, getting nice suits off of them, getting tailor-made shirts from their wool, getting nice gators made. See, it's turning to wool. Wool, the gator, yeah. <laughs> Sitting on 4-4s, 26s, switches, sitting out his windows on the sheep. Because all the sheep are good for is taking care of me. You're only a good sheep as submission and under my covering means do what I say and give me what I need. And, I, and take care of me. So again, very, very selfish and even greedy with it. And we talked about that last week. He sh and then it says he slaughters the fat ones. <coughs> now, this is interesting. He says you clothe yourself, verse 3, with the wool. He says you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. This is powerful. So it's interesting. He slaughtered the fat ones. So the ones that actually got fat, he fattened them up just so he can kill them. That was it. So he can eat them. That's crazy. So, so everything about the sheep, the sheep were extremely expendable in the eyes of the shepherd. And, and if anyone's going to shepherd God's flock, he can't be a selfish cat. Because if you got a selfish cat, he's going to always look out for himself and his, his not eternal platform, his international platform or a preaching engagement or an opportunity. So everything exists to pour into his life. But then he calls him, he calls him selfish first. Number two, he calls him neglectful. Neglectful, verse four. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the stray you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. He refused to deal with sheep in crisis. That's, that's, that's refused to. That means when sheep were going through difficult times, in this time period, whenever a sheep was, they, they were going and the sheep got in a crowd and one of them broke their legs, what the shepherd was supposed to do is he was supposed to go and he was supposed to, if it was, if it was an open, he was supposed to put oil on the womb and he was supposed to rub it himself. Hands on rubbing. He's supposed to put it as best back into place as he could and then wrap it up. Once he wrapped the sheep up, he put the stinking sheep on his back. Wouldn't be afraid of urine getting on him. Defecation. Because he, he, he wasn't afraid of the sheep's dirt. He let, he let the, the sweatiness and the funkiness of the elements get on him from the sheep as he's calling the other. He's carrying the weak sheep on his shoulder while he's letting the sheep that are in good condition move forward. And so he's not, he said, you have not even strengthened the weak ones. You know, strengthen here means to restore to full strength, to nurse back to health. And so he let them die of illnesses, it says. Since you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, and the stray you have not brought back. And so you don't even go look for the lost sheep. And the lost sheep are those who have fallen away from the flock, who get left in a pasture somewhere, and as the shepherd begins to count and looks at giving them the shepherd, because there were also a community of shepherds, it just wasn't one guy shepherding the sheep. And so they would say, somebody's missing. And then one of the shepherds would dip and leave the sheep at the sheepfold that they are in a pasture or on a hill or on a mountain or on a side of a mountain. And one shepherd would go after them and look for them and do their sounds. They say, who de who, whatever their sound is. 
and the sheep was supposed to respond. You know what I'm saying? And because the sheep, we'll talk about later, knows the voice of shepherds. True sheep. And so, and so he would go after them, look for them. But he said, you haven't even done that. <laughs> he said, you haven't even done that. And then he says, number two, he said, so he said, first, they were selfish. Number two, they were neglectful. Number three, harsh. Harsh. He says, in the latter part of verse four, he says, with force and with harshness, you have ruled them. Harsh here means overpowering the weaker. In other words, taking advantage of people that are already weak, sheep that are already weak. It's interesting, in the New Testament, it says there's some punk false teachers that go into the houses of weak people and carry them after themselves and go after their loop. It's like when a widow, it was like in the New Testament, when a widow, her husband, when her husband died and there was stuff left over and there was no more men in the household, it says false teachers would go over to the household make their way in to the widow's house, engage them sexually, and take the stuff from them that their husband left, and leave and fall back and got loot and got himself satisfied. And so with harshness and force, it's interesting how, how harshness is a controlling verb here because it, it goes back to the whole of how they've been treated. When they're, when they're milking the sheep there, they're yanking it down out of the sheep. They're not even gently... They're just yanking it out. Come on, sheep, hurry up. And they're shearing the sheep, cutting them all up, like, get it all off. And they're yanking it off the sheep. Harshness. With harshness, no care, no love, no desire to see them replenished and restored and working well. So they're forceful and harsh, these shepherds. And then number four and final, they're absent. <laughs> Verse five, he says, so they were scattered <coughs> because there was no shepherd. Now, this is interesting that God said that there's no shepherd. Because these shepherds were there. So he's basically saying your being there isn't them having a shepherd, even though you're supposed to be one. He says your, pre he says, your presence is absence. It's crazy. So, so, so he's saying, he say, your presence and what you're applying to my people isn't even worthwhile and user-friendly for my people. And, so, and so, uh, so again, he talks about later taking them away. Now, he be, now I want to begin, after we've seen these several ways of these distorted views of shepherding, guys that believe the sheep exist for them, guys that neglect the sheep, don't care for any aspect of the sheep, but only think the sheep exists for them. Harshness and absent, neglectful and selfish. Now we want to talk about what should a shepherd do? What, what should a shepherd do? If any self-respecting leader, what any of us would really begin to apply and lay out what the scripture actually says a shepherd is supposed to do, we would have so many, much more health in our flocks. And what's powerful is last week we got to talk about the character of the shepherd. Talk about the character of the pastor last week. So last week we got to go into what should this man's spiritual life be like? What should his home life be like? What should his missional life be like? And now, 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 now so we've seen the character that his character witness among people. 
his character witness among the flock and his character witness before God. But now we want to talk about, okay, what in the heck does it really look like? What does a pastor do? People always ask me, what does your day look like? It's always funny. I say, I just go, you know. Um, but, 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 but in saying what not to do, he's actually laying out what they should do. And so what I want to do is I want to lay out the what to do's. But then I want to key them in and connect them to the New Testament. <clears throat> I want to key them in and work and connect them to the New Testament. So before we move any further, verse, verse 2 says shepherds. Just stop there. Shepherds. Let's talk about what a shepherd is. What is a shepherd? Who is he? What, what, what does he do? Remember last week we talked about poimen, episcopos, and presbyteros are, not diff- are the same term to talk about the same office. From a biblical standpoint, a bishop doesn't oversee other pastors. From a biblical standpoint. They can be a first among equals, that type of thing. But bishop, elder, pastor, overseer are the, is the same office. It's not like higher rankings within the pastoral structure. We saw that defended from the scriptures last week. And so here as we talk about shepherds, from Ezekiel's perspective, he's of course using the imagery of their understanding of what a shepherd does as a way to talk about there's a parallel in how that activates in how God's shepherds treats God's sheep. Now, shepherds, you got to understand, were grimy cats that smelled like sheep all the time. You ever, you ever met somebody that works somewhere and they smell like it? They just smell like it. Even they took a shower. Everything, everything smelled like the, the workplace. My brother is a mechanic. He's a brilliant mechanic, my oldest brother. When he comes from the shop, he's, his fingers still got oil in it. He used lava, everything to get it out, and it's still stuck to him. When you go over to the corner store to go get a sandwich, I can tell when y'all went over there. We, you know we love our corner store, but, but, they, but you come back smelling like that grease. Smell like that grease. I said, you've been to the corner store. I ain't know you know. Shepherds should smell like sheep. Shepherds should smell like they've been around people. Shepherds should reek of the funk of sheep. Because guess what? We are too. There is is no such thing, and we know that there are layers and levels of shepherding, but this idea here talks about a level of intimacy with the flock. The shepherd is intimately associated with the flock at all times. They recognize their leader. When we talk about shepherd, he understands the sounds they make and responds effectively to those sounds, whimpers, groans. That's why I walk up to some of y'all sometimes. I say, how you doing? I'm doing okay. You You want me to say something, don't you? And um, some of y'all, I hate when y'all always, you know, just pray for me. I mean, you always like that, though. But so everybody know, the shepherd don't just know, everybody know how you doing. You know what I'm saying? Help me, Holy Spirit. The animals also with with these shepherds can actually distinguish their own shepherd from others, and he can tell them apart. And so Jesus says this, my sheep know my voice. They hear my voice and they follow it. 
So, so, so when you've been with a certain DNA of a shepherd, if some other type of shepherd comes in and tries to wreck shop, you won't allow division to come. You won't allow frustration to come. Because why? Because what you'll do is you say, that's not the voice we've been getting. Now, that's not the tone and the spirit of the scriptures we've been getting. What you say sounds good, but that's not our DNA. Y'all ought to hear me this morning. So, so, she, so there should be a relationship between them. Now, what should he do? The first thing he says that a shepherd, and this is going to be, I'm so embarrassed that I got to teach this. Like, I'm embarrassed because it's so simple. The first thing is feed. Number one, he should feed the flock. Elders, plural, should feed, feed the flock. We know that there's various levels and giftings and plates of feeding, but every shepherd <coughs> on some level should be feeding the flock. Now, the idea of this feeding here is to provide nourishment for growth and journeys. In other words, you're providing, you're putting them in pasture. So the place where they feed is the place where they're together with other sheep. So you're feeding sheep through putting them in the pasture, but also placing them in community. That's why Jesus said in John 10, I am the door to the sheepfold. In other words, he's letting you into a place where there's nutrition for your soul and relationships for your soul. And so, and so when an elder or, or pastor or a bishop or an overseer, a shepherd, is feeding the sheep, there's a facilitation of the ability of the sheep to grow. The sheep here were led to food and, of course, water after a journey. And he would make sure that they were not malnourished. He would check on the sheep to see where they were in their nourishment process. And if the sheep weren't eating, they would make sure that they helped the sheep to eat. If there were new sheep, he would make sure that they were latching on to mommy to get the milk that they needed so that they can grow and keep up with the flock's direction. You see the beautiful imagery in this? Not only that, under that, under that understanding of shepherding, let's, let's talk about this from a New Testament perspective. Now what, now, what does feeding look like? What, is, what does feeding look like? We talked about some of that, but I want to talk about some of what feeding actually looks like. Feeding looks like teaching and preaching. Amen. One of the things that God told uh, Peter to do in John chapter 21, verse 17, is in just 17 through 19, he says, tend my sheep. He says, feed my sheep. And so what he wants them to do, what he wants... Peter to do as the first among equals. Peter wasn't a bishop. He was an elder. He said in the first Peter chapter five, verse one, I am an elder. I am your fellow elder. He didn't say I was a bishop over y'all. He said, I am your fellow elder. Now, if Peter didn't say he was over them and he said, I was one of you, what can we say? <laughs> so he, he says, he says, shepherd the flock among you. Care for them. You know what I'm saying? So, 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 so feeding has to do with teaching. That's why the Bible says that the pastor, the shepherd, must be apt to teach. He got to be able to open up the Bible. If a cat ain't opening up the doggone Bible, run for your life. Run. Run. Not, and not just opening up the Bible and saying stuff. I mean, I wish, I, never mind, I can't say that. He's recording. I can't say that. But, 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 but I'm just saying, you, you, in other words, his teaching puts him out there sometimes. See, see, Paul denied his rights. 
He said, I could have done this, but I fell back from doing this because me not doing this was more of a ministry to you than to me. See, a pastor's always taking everything, every, every, every bit. He don't go through seasons of self-starvation so that you can get fed. He ain't no shepherd. If he doesn't go, I'm not talking about a poverty mentality. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm, ta- I'm talking about there's times when there are needs that he has to, that needs to be met. <clears throat> I'm not talking about putting his sacrifice in his family. That's, a, that's against the rules. He's, he's done after that. He got to get out. So, but, but I'm, talking, I'm talking about there should be some level of sacrifice in the way he shepherds. Shepherding is inconveniencing. <laughs> if you're never inconvenienced, you ain't no shepherd. You're a professional. Help me somebody. But then there's a balance to that because in, in Acts chapter 6 verse 4, Peter says, listen, we are, we are servant leaders. We are. He says, but it's getting to the point where the thing that makes us the best is not happening anymore. He says, so we need to be dedicating ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. Now, ministry of the word is broader than just preaching and teaching. It's counseling. It's advice. It's coming up after the gathering. Pastor, you got a minute? Chopping it up. It's going to a fight, sitting down with the cats, talking. Hey, yo, let me, let me ask you a question. It's being out at the cookout, at the, out, like ministry of the word, rebuking. Come here. C- come here. Come here. Let me talk to you for a second. Um, that's ministry of the word. Now, if I jack you up, that's a ministry of the word. Pastor Larry, we jack him up. Pastor Doug, Pastor Nyron, Pastor Kurt, you, you, got, you got my permission. Gr- hold him up like this. If a du- if it's, don't hold a woman up, a, d- a dude, and just do him like that. Just do him like that. That's the ministry of the word. As long as you're not fighting it, you, the Bible says you can't strike him. It didn't say you can't pick him up. So, so, so you can pick him up. Amen. But it means, ministry of the word means, comprehensive, feeding means comprehensive administering of the word. That means facilitating even. It says that, it says in Titus chapter 1, Verse 9 and Titus chapter 2, verse 1. One of the things that, that, that was a qualification, but also a, a, a characteristic, but it's also a, um, a promotion of the gospel and a practice of the gospel and a practice of a shepherd, is it says, he must be sound in faith, that he may teach soundness. <clears throat> that means he's sound in what he believes God for based on where he goes to see what we should believe God for. Y'all missed that. See, if somebody is teaching you to believe God for something he wouldn't give, he's a false teacher. See, but if you're being taught, see, soundness of faith doesn't, it means right doctrine. And in that right doctrine, we rightly believe God for stuff that he gives or may not give. See, saying to to someone, let me give you an example. I'm just giving a bunch of examples of this. It's one of the things that you see. Is you'll see that people say, well, you can ask God whatever you want, and he'll give it to you. Well, that's not true. That's not true. That is not true. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words, my words, my words abide, remain in you, then, see, you missed that. See, you just want to say, ask what you will, and it shall be given. You forgot the then, the if then. If then, remember that from English, if then, conditional clause, first, second, anyway, 
first, second, third, fourth conditional clause. But, but there he's saying, listen, your abiding in me trains you in what you should ask me for. See, if you ain't abiding in them, then you don't. So, so you, the first thing we teach people, ask them. Snatch it down and all of that. Oh, God, help me. <coughs> we teach a blessing-centered Jesus versus Jesus-centered blessings. <laughs> I got to move on. This is the early service. You know I ain't got time to talk here. But, uh, but sound teaching means, it, it, it means, the word for sound means it's hygienist. Where we get our word hygiene from, it means healthy. What he say should be healthy. Your life should be healthy because of that teaching. So feeding the flock means facilitating the, the comprehensive shalom that God brings through the gospel to that life. To that life. So, so, so if there's not a promotion of wholeness in your life, through the scriptures, through the word, through the hygienists, or the edoras didascalize, the healthy teaching, fall back. You might want to fall back. Healthy in doctrine does bring healthy lives. I heard through some blogs that people say doctrine doesn't mean anything. Doctrine doesn't mean you're going to live right. No, 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 no. You got it backwards. See, it's not the doctrine that we should be rejecting or frustrating. It should be our submission to it. There's a difference. There's a difference. We don't put doctrine on blast. We put us on blast. He should also be equipping. Ephesians 4.12. Pastor teachers should be equipping the saints for the work of service. This is so simple, I'm embarrassed. So that means that the, the elders should not be doing all the church ministry. Wow. They should be pouring into the flock based on their gifting and their talents and their wiring, even, on the flock facilitating gospel ministry. The elders or the, the pastors are supposed to pour the nutrition of the gospel into God's people and equip them with the resources that they need for us to be a mutual working community. Second is care. I got to move. Second is care. Of course, he wants them. He says here, strengthen, verse 3. Strengthen them. So he must care for those who are overcome with challenges. Bind up, we talked about earlier. Salt for the lost has more to do in the New Testament mindset of evangelism. You have not sought for the lost. Some people that move away from the flock for an inordinate amount of time and in the sin are not Christians, possibly. So doing the work of evangelism to find out what happened to so-and-so, I don't see them anymore. Like, and I know some people say, well, churches grow and they can grow big and you can never know that. That's why you, the more people you have, the more elders you need. Let me say it again. The more people you have, because <clears throat> churches are going to grow to the point where lead pastors or the core community of elders won't know everybody. However, that's why you appoint more elders. So that some, one of the, ev the elders together should know everybody. Now, each one may not know everybody. But together, they should know everybody. See, y'all missed that. See, that means that, that, that means that people are being shepherded and pastored and under someone's care. 
Have not brought back the stray, going back to get him. But then, so, so we see, I got to move, teaching, <laughs> we, we, we see feeding, we see care, and we see protection. I'm going to just stop with protection. You know, he says, he says, so they were scattered because there, were no, there was no shepherd, and there, they became food for all wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth will, uh, with none to search for them. Protection. Say protection. Yeah. Now, there's a thin line between protection and hoarding. There is. Hoarding means, hoarding means that uh, you, you may be a selfish dude. Protecting, listen, protection means that you are looking out for the well-being of the flock and you're trying to keep them from evil. Now, when you go over to a Titus, Titus chapter 1, It talks about multiple streams of protection. Verse 9, it says, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word taught as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So first off, protection is rebuking people in the flock that don't submit to the authority and leadership of God's word. That means you got to shut some people down. And people in the flock won't like that. Amen. Verse 10. For there are many who are insubordinate. Insubordinate means you don't submit to your role in the flock. And so those who try to turn people away from the hearts of God's leaders should be shut down. Insubordinate, punks. Got real quiet on that one. Empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. Those are people that are against the gospel. He says, they must be silent. Shut them up. Elders are not punks. Suckers. Hey, um, you know, man, I, I just, you know, nah. 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 I understand being gracious. We talk about being gentle. We're not talking about being quarrelsome, a thug. We're not talking about thug elders. I know it sounds like it. But Jesus is coming back. And he's going to viciously separate the goats from the sheep. He's going to snap. Get out of here. You ain't one of mine. Get, get the. Man, come here. Y'all are mine. Come, come here. Y'all come over here. Stay over there. See, see, when we talk about this idea of protection, see, I take protection very seriously. Take protection very. God came here. I tell y'all all the time. God came prophesying. Going around to our college students. Going around to them, talking to them. I said, who are you? He said, well, I'm a prophet. I believe God sent me here. I said, no, he didn't. I said, no, he didn't. He said, yes, he did. I said, nah, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. So he thought we, he had a bunch of punks here because we was a new church plant. So he said, I can come in here and try to take the flock. I got you to take the flock. Come in here and try it. Come in here and try it. You, you, you knocked on the wrong door. I just looked at him. For a while. <laughs> and I said, what are you telling them? I told them, and I said, God couldn't have told you that. He said, you didn't hear from God. Get out. And I shared the gospel with him, because I believe he wasn't a Christian. See, I, I, we, 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 protect, we will protect you with our life. 
See, a shepherd that wants you to give your life but won't give his, see, that's not Jesus-centered. Because, see, Jesus is so beasty, he gives his life for you first to motivate you to give your life. <laughs> see, 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 Jesus-centered shepherding always motivates the sheep by example, not by ruling. See the difference? And so the power of Jesus Christ, there is, all the rest of the time, oh, I wish I had time to talk. I only got six seconds. I'm going to go over. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I got elders now. They're going to hold me to it. Um, but in the end, of the rest of this chapter, it talks about the eschatological shepherd. The eschatological shepherd is prophesied through Ezekiel. He is a shepherd that doesn't take any crap. He is a shepherd that is so beastly in protecting his flock that he stabs his enemies and wipes their blood on his gear. Says he treads his enemies like a wine press and his robe is stained with their blood. God says, I am coming back and I am going to take, I'm going to denounce these punk shepherds and I'm going to announce a new shepherd. That's why Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Because what he's referring to is John, uh, uh, Ezekiel 34. He talk about, he says, see, those are hirelings. Those are wolves. They come to kill, steal, and destroy. And by the way, contextually in that text, he's not talking about the devil first. He's talking about shepherds. He says the enemy, talking about the, the shepherds who are false shepherds, come to kill, steal, and destroy. We apply that to the devil too quick. But Jesus says, I come. <laughs> I come that you might have life and it more abundantly. Peter calls him the chief shepherd. See, the reason why he's the chief shepherd is because he's the bishop. He's the apostle. Amen. He's the one that should be wearing the collar and the robe that goes through the temple. Y'all know what I'm talking about. See, see, Jesus is the exalted shepherd. And if any true shepherd is a true shepherd, he looks at Jesus and not the other pastors on TV and around him to take his P's and Q's from on how he should lead the flock. He takes it from Jesus. So the centrality of Jesus motivates who you should follow. So when you don't see Jesus in a shepherd comprehensively, stop following him. Some of y'all, I ain't trying to get y'all merely come to pivot. I'm just telling you. If you under some bunk shepherd, fall back. Because that means they're not a shepherd. <laughs> if, there's a, if, if, there's, if there's an offer for him every Sunday, run. I'm telling you that the Lord Jesus Christ is the best shepherd that you have. And when he's truly appointed a shepherd, even when that shepherd does something wrong, he repents and turns back to Jesus, which give you the ability to turn to Jesus and turn to him for leadership. But you can't turn to anybody that's not submissive, submissive to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the eschatological shepherd is coming back to shut it down. Shut it down, shut it, shut it down. He's coming back to shut it down. And he's coming back to eternally shepherd us. For eternity. Can you imagine senior pastor Jesus sitting on his throne and us just there as his sheep? 
Can you imagine a lion being around sheep and not eating us? See, he's going to not be a lamb in eternity. He's not going to be, he's going to be a lion. And we're going to be sheep for eternity. And he's going to, see, the lion and the lamb laying with each other is imagery of the relationship of peace that was between the one who should have been the predator and put us in hell. Oh, y'all better hear me. But, but he's no longer a predator. See, the, the people he's praying on, he done ate the goats in hell. But the sheep, he said, come chill with your boy forever and ever and ever. But you should get used to that through good shepherding. Good shepherding prepares you for eternal shepherding. I got to go, man. I got so much more I want to say. Lord, thank you for your grace.